Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted this opportunity to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, family, we're going to get ready to do our Bible confession, so they'll put it up there before you. But I do have something just popped in my mind, so I'm going to give you a quick Smith story. Only because I feel it's kind of gotten a little chilly in here, right? Well, yesterday, we were at home, me and my lovely wife, and there's nothing, nothing too bad, but the ladies are going to get this. Guys don't get this, too. We're, me and my lovely wife, and she says to me, she says, is the air on cool or is it on heat? And I was like, well, I don't know, you know, because temperatures change in Florida all the time. You can be 70, then you can go down to 40, and just this time of year, you got to just be quick with it, you know what I mean? Or set it to where it adjusts itself. I said, I don't know. It could be on cool, it could be on heat. I don't know. I said, let me go look. I said, oh, well, baby, it's, it's on heat currently. She said, well, I feel a little draft, so could you mind turning the heat, make it hotter? I said, well, sure, no problem. So, boom, boom, made it harder. It got warmer. No big deal. Then we get ready to go to bed, though. And we, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm, 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 I'm studying to bring you guys a great word today. <laughs> then when I decide to go to bed, though, I walk in and I notice something. She's in the bed covered up with fans on. And so I'm kind of like, hmm. And now, you know, my, 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 my man mind, which don't, don't always align with her woman mind, but my man mind is like, well, we turn the heat on, but you got fans on. So I asked, I said, hey, babe, I noticed that you have a fan on. Would you mind, I mean, can I turn the heat off? Because I'm thinking about saving some ducats, right? I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm heating you for you to cool you, right? <laughs> and she says to me, she says, no. And so I just figure, okay, she's kind of groggy, maybe a little sleepy. I said, well, maybe I'm going to ask again. <laughs> because to me, logically, we need to turn the heater off if you got the fan on. So I said, I said well, babe, let me make sure I understand. I said, are you saying, are you saying, you know, you got the heat on, but you got the fan on. I'm not, all I'm asking is that, can I turn the heat off? I say, can I turn it up? She says, she says, she says no. So I'm going to go in a third time. But this time, I want to be really, really specific. I said, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Are you telling me? I said, I swear, are you telling me that I cannot turn the heater off and you got the fans on. This time she rolls over and looks at me and says that is exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs> I took my little Ted to tell to sleep. 
let's do our Bible confession. She said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Woke up this morning, hot and breezy. Fan just blowing. Like, I guess we got money to burn. No, no. All right, family, let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and lived by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible in Jesus name. Amen. Loved ones, we are we, we are on the first image, please. As you know, we're in a series called Satisfied. For us, what we're doing, that's number five. In, in, in the series, we are talking about, oh, thank you, sir. We are talking about the vision that we have. And that vision has three categories. That categories are rebuild, restore, re-engage. But we're not taking them in that order. We're starting with restore. Someone asked me the other time, what were those little squiggly lines that, you know, kind of look like sperm coming out of the restore image? Well, for those, for, for those of you, and my, my daughter was quick to, to tell the person, now you ain't been keeping up. If you got to ask that question, you ain't, you, ain't, you ain't been keeping up. So for those who may be new or who may not be keeping up, I'm going to tell you what, that, what we said there is that, you know, restore that step is like the sperm that germinates the re-engagement. So restore is the first step. Starting with restore, restore has three goals. We're looking to restore your confidence in God, looking to restore your confidence in yourself, in your own self-worth, self-worth, to see yourself like God see you. And Restore others' confidences in God and in themselves as well. Now, there are three scripture areas for that. We got Psalm 139, which we've been in, Hebrews 13 and 5, which you've always already talked about, and Luke 22, which we'll introduce today. Now, on those first two, they're checked off because why? We've already talked about them. Have we fully exhausted it? No. But I think that we've talked about them enough to where you get the point. So we're going to move over to others now. Others, though, we need to kind of put a little fine point right there. Because when I say a goal is to restore others' confidences in God, for example, we both know you can't make nobody restore. I can't make you restore your confidence. You, you got to want to restore your confidence. You got you to be open to restoring your confidence. I can't make you restore your confidence. So we need to make sure that that goal, if it's going to be a goal for us, that it's applicable, that it's something that we can do. Therefore, when you see that goal, what I want you to think in your mind is the goal is to restore your confidence, your belief that Helping others restore their confidence is a worthy endeavor. Say that again so you understand what I'm saying. It's not that your goal is to restore. Your goal is to convince yourself 
and keep yourself rooted that it is worthwhile helping somebody else regain their confidence and restore. That's, that's okay, man. That's just your phone. It, it, you know, it wasn't like Tupac or nothing like that, you know. It wasn't like, you know, F the police or nothing, you know. So it's good. It was, it was, it was, it was, the, the, the melody was nice. You didn't have to apologize, you know, just silence, put it on silent, we keep on going. Much love to you. Now, having, having this set up, I want to share some, I want to share something with you. We all know that at the close of last session, we bookmarked Psalm 139, verse 19. That's where we're going to pick up from. But before we go to that bookmark, let's now introduce Luke 22 as it relates to restoring others. That's what we're talking about today. Luke 22, verses 31 through 32, Jesus says something to Peter. This is the King James Version. He says, the Bible says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Now, just really quick, Simon, Simon is Peter. Simon is Peter. And when it says Satan hath desired to have you, we'll see this in another version that we read down the road here in this session. But that's a, pl a plural you. Not Peter, the devil wants you, but he want all y'all. How, how, how many do you know the, the devil not just happy with one and two? God says that he wished that, that, that none perish. Well, the devil say, well, I want them all too. But it's a collective you. But let's go ahead and read it through for now. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen, strengthen thy brethren. Now, Jesus is saying here, say, listen, Satan is coming to sift y'all. And by sift y'all means he going to try to break your faith. He's going to try to shake your faith. He's going to try to separate you from your faith. He's going he to try to wreck your faith. He is coming to try to separate you all from me. But if we were to put that in some words that kind of match up better with what we're talking about with confidence, he is coming to wreck, to break, to sift apart, to separate you, to move your confidence away from God. Some people look at this and they say, you know what? This right here is proof that Satan can only go so far in the life of the believer. Because Jesus, Jesus obviously is saying that Satan has come to ask. Now, I'm going I'm 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 to challenge you a little bit on that. Because if you look at it closely, Jesus says, yo, Pete, the devil coming after y'all. And he does not follow that up with something like, 
and I have commanded him to leave y'all alone. He don't say that. He don't say, and I have called a host of angels from heaven that's going to defend you. He didn't say that. He didn't even guarantee Peter's victory in the attack. He didn't do none of that. What the Bible says is that he prayed that Peter's faith not fail. Now, by the way, he prayed for everybody, but he's talking to Peter, which implies to me Jesus is, is saying there is something in Peter that makes him capable of providing strength to others. Notice this, though. If we were to read that kind of the way I believe it's really Jesus really saying, saying it, I would say, Peter, Satan wants to have y'all and break y'all away from the faith. And although I know, Peter, you're going to fall. When you get back up, strengthen your brothers. Now, why do I say he says, although I know you're going to fall. You see that part there that says, when thou art converted? I don't say, when thou art converted, if there is nothing you need to be converted from. So he's telling him, I know you're going to, I know you're going to fall. And you know what? That road back to me may be a little bit bumpy. But when you come back to yourself, when you come back to me, I want you to strengthen your brothers. This dialogue between Jesus and Peter displays why we put the restore others goal as the last goal we talked about or we talk about in this category. Family, whenever you are dealing with restoring others, the ideal case, the ideal case is that you yourself be strong before trying to provide strength to someone else. He says, Peter, all, y all, all of y'all going to get shaken. Peter, I want to tell you something, though. You're going to fall. But after you regain your strength, strengthen others. Am I saying that two people in a, in a, in a struggle cannot be support for each other? No. I'm not saying that. But a better, a better, better, better scenario for the person that's struggling is that the other person be strong. That's the better scenario for them. Both of us being weak. We, we could possibly supply some support, but if between the two of us, if one of us is strong, that is a better scenario for the person who's struggling. In a second, I'm going to ask you guys to say a phrase for me. It's, it's, it's a common phrase. You've heard it all your life. And we're going to talk about it. 
Let me show me this phrase. You see the phrase, the first three words there? On the count of three, we're going to say that together. Ready? Go. Misery loves company. You've heard that. I've heard that phrase all my life. And the implication of that phrase is this. Misery, meaning someone that's going through a hardship, a troubled time, etc. We're going to just lump it up into misery. It's not just about being miserable, but misery. That's why I'm putting it in there. I'm just giving it to you my how I see it. Misery loves or can find solace in or be consoled by others who are going through the same or we can put in or the similar thing. So a person who's going through a hard time can be consoled by others or if they're in the company of others who are going through the same thing, they can be consoled. That's the general gist of it. I am not here to just break down and defame that statement. I'm not here to go into a big debate over that statement. I am going to, we all going to talk about it though because we want to refine it, in, refine it in your mind if, if that somehow got lodged in there. When we say misery loves company, I can get along with, I can acknowledge that two people who are in a life challenge and experiencing the same events in life and it's going through some hard times, I, they, I can see how they can console each other or provide support to each other. I want to caveat that acknowledgement, though. I caveat that acknowledgement by saying this. The benefit of such a gathering depends on the type of people that make up the company you are keeping in your misery. It, it, it depends on the company. Family, if the people, the person or persons who make up the company, if they're negative, if what they are about is a pity party, they're the wrong company. If the person or the persons who make up the company, if they drop on you more emotional weight, wrong company. Wrong company. If that company come traipsing into your situation, and they make your situation worse, if they take it from bad to worse, if they take it from I think I can see my way out of it to I can't see no way out of it, family, that is the wrong company. That phrase, misery loves company, that phrase in and of itself is not bad on face value. It's not bad on face value. I can see, I can see, I can see if the company is right, 
how somebody can find some kind of comfort or be consoled by some company. But that's under the assumption that the company is right. And I contend, even under that scenario, that it is far better or you get a far greater level or degree of consolation if in your misery you get in the presence of someone who has been in that situation. The same or similar as you, but that situation and have come out successfully. You get a better degree of comfort and infusion of beneficial things if you are in the presence of someone who has been through that fire and come out victorious. It's better for you to be in the presence of someone who has gone through that storm and come out triumphant. It is better for you to be in the presence of someone who has been broken that way and now stands before you restored. Misery might love company, but listen, you being in the presence of someone who is as broken as you, there is a better scenario. And that scenario is for you to be with someone who is not broken. For you to be with someone who has been broken in the same manner, but now stands before you restored. You get a greater infusion from that person of beneficial things. It's better for you to be in the presence of someone who has been on the brink of losing all hope and now stands before you stronger. It's better for you to be in the presence of someone who has been right on the edge of losing their faith but now stands before you stronger. It's a better scenario for you. When we're talking about that phrase, misery loves company, let me make sure I'm clear on what I'm trying to convey to you. When you have company in your misery, that company had better be right. And now I want to caution you on something. Family, I'm going to caution you, and I'm going to have you if, you, if you came with somebody, it's going to be easy. I'm going to tell you, tell the person that you came with. If you didn't tell, if you didn't come with nobody, just turn and tell somebody. I want you to look at them and say, caution. Now, I'm getting ready to tell you something, Pastor. getting ready to tell you something. And when I'm, I, want you to, I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them it's a, it, it's, it's a, Smith, it's a Smithism and it's, 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 it's going to hit you right. It's going to hit you right. You might, you might even be saying it later to somebody else. Here we go. Look at them and say caution. caution. Oh, Greta won't look at me. Excuse me. Let's go. Say caution. Caution. If you choose to keep the wrong company in your misery, 
The company you keep can keep you in misery. Yeah. Yeah. Mess around and choose the wrong company if you want to in your misery. That company will keep you in misery. You talking about misery loves company. Well, guess what? Just any old company won't do. You ain't just can't just get around any old company. Well, let me show you. Family, misery may love company, but doggone it, any old company won't do. Misery may love company, but company, just generic old company, is not what misery needs. What misery needs is to be around people that are full of joy. Misery needs to be around people who are full of peace. Misery needs to be around people who are full of faith. Misery needs to be around people who have a passion for life. Misery needs to be around people who have strength in the areas that they're weak in. In other words, when you're going through something, you don't need to necessarily get around a whole bunch of people who are going through the same thing. Look out, ask God, show you some to show you somebody who has been through the fire, been through the storm, been through the situation, has co have come out smelling like a rose and you get close to them. And say, Show me how you do that thing. Get your strength from them. Get your insight from them. Glean from them. God will show you. Sometimes if you just quiet and get your face at your phone and observe the real people around you, you might spot somebody who's living something that you, you know what, I think ooh, they got that thing down. Because you observe them. You observe them. They, they, every, every couple of months, they start dressing better. They start riding better. Every, every couple of months, they, they went from getting out the car. No, they went from driving separate cars to church to now they drive in the same car to now they holding hands to now I'm seeing, oh, there's something going on. There's something going on there. Misery don't need any generic type of company. If we were to try to put that in a, in a, in a bundle, the miserable need to be around the unmiserable. Misery does not need miserable company. And just like the miserable need to be around the unmiserable, loved ones, here you go. Next image, please. The unrestored need to be around people who are restored. 
we, in gaining our confidence in God, gaining our confidence in ourselves, the hope is that at that point, we are the restored. At that time, we put our focus on others. Now, let's take a look at Luke 22 again. But this time, we're going to do a quick side-by-side so you can see it in a variety of different versions. We're not looking to read all these versions as, they, as they're printed. We're going to just jump through them, but just so that you can have a different... Sometimes when you hear things differently, the ear picks up some different insight. Each translation or version, I never remember how you're supposed to say that, each, each, each version says it a little differently. We have the King James, the message, the Amplified Classic, the voice, and the easy to read. We've already talked about the King James. The message says that the devil is trying to separate you. And notice, separate you all. That's the collective you. Trying to separate you from Christ. And Jesus prayed for Peter in particular. Not that he didn't pray for them all, but he did a special kind of intense focused prayer on him. Tell him something face to face. So Peter, when you come through your testing, turn to your brothers and give them a fresh start. The Amplified Classic. The devil is asking excessively for you. The devil's always asking for you. He don't rest. There's not a day he don't ask for you. But Peter, when you, you know, when you come to yourself, when you turn again back to me, I want you to strengthen and establish your brothers, the voice. Man, look at how Satan is pursuing you. Devil's after you. And notice he has a harvest. The devil wants to make you part of his harvest. And I pray that your faith hold firm. I like, the way, I like that phraseology. Even though you're going to be shaken, Peter, I pray your faith hold firm. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, just because you're shaken, people can think that your faith is not holding firm. No, baby, just because I'm crying don't mean that my faith is wavering. Just because every now and then I might slip up and say uh, something that's a little negative, don't get it twisted. I'm still hanging in there with my God. That's just, that's just me being human. You caught me in a weak point. Don't, but but don't, you, don't you think I done let go? When you recover, be a source of strength. Not just strength. Be something people can tap into. Be they battery. Easy to read. Satan's going to test you. And eh, I'm praying you don't lose your faith, even though I know you're going to fall. But when you come back to me, I want you to help your brothers be stronger. So Jesus is, is saying, Peter, I want you to help your brothers. But there's a progression here I want you to notice. Jesus is saying, Peter, I want you to do something 
after you yourself get strong. Here's what Jesus expects. He sets an expectation. His expectation is, you know, once Peter is restored, that Peter is to reach back or reach down or reach out from his restored state and help others and help restore others. I want you to read that bowl section with me. Ready? Go. Jesus expects the restored to restore. As a restored person, Jesus expects you to turn around now and restore. And I believe, even though he's telling this to Peter, that that is not just for Peter. As a general principle, as a general rule, the Bible tells us that we are to help and encourage each other. For example, look at this in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, in the easy to read and the message, chapter 5, verse 11, the easy to read says, so encourage each other and help each other grow stronger in faith just as you already, just as you are already doing. The Message Bible. So I speak, so speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope. So y'all, so y'all, you all, I said y'all, that was me. So speaking, so speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope. So you will all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep doing it. Just keep on doing it. The, the Bible here tells us that we are to encourage, strengthen, and build up each other in faith and hope. By the way, all of that activity keeps us out of Satan's harvest. In doing that, this is, in essence, what we're attempting to do in our goal under the restore category. Look at this image. Just look at that for a second. Because I've said a lot. And if we're not careful, you could end up thinking that I've said something that I haven't said. Now, we're going to say it. I want you to answer. The answer's down there. But I want you to say the answer. Let me ask the question. Now, have I said that you must be in a fully restored state yourself before you can help restore somebody else? And the answer is no. No, no, I didn't. Mm -mm, I sure didn't. No, I didn't say that. I did not. I did not say that you have to, you must be in a fully restored state before you can help somebody else. I didn't say that. I sure didn't. No, I didn't say that. I, I, I said you need to be the right company, but I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Mm -mm, I didn't say it at all. 
Here is, here is the fine point, though. And before we move to the next image, I want to make sure you, you know because it's coming. I did not say, and I'm not saying, that you need to be fully restored before helping somebody else. It's just that, family. It's just that if you're going to help somebody, here we go. I want you to say this with me. Because if you're going to be helped, okay, we're gonna, hold on, we're going to say it loud. We're gonna, we, want this, we want the people across the street to hear this. We're going to read from that top line and then we're going to read what's in the black. Ready? Let's go. If you are going to be helped, then doggone it, be helped. If you're going to be helped, then doggone it, be helped. What do I mean by that? If your idea of help is sticking around just to help me complain, stop helping. Because you ain't help. You are actually the wrong company. If, if what you think you're doing, if all you're doing in your help is helping me rehearse the problem, Stop helping. Because you ain't help. You're actually the wrong company. If what you are doing is just calling my pain, stop helping. Because doggone it, you ain't help. And get this, even if you calling my pain and I like it, you're not helping me. Stop helping. You're the wrong company. If what you do is come in all gloom and doom, if when you get in there, you suck all the life out the room, if that's your idea of help, stop helping. You ain't help. You ain't help. You're the wrong kind of company. If your idea of help is to come in and get all the information and put my business in the street, you ain't helping. You ain't helping. If I didn't put it on Facebook, why do you think you can? It ain't helping. Why I'm out in the street and somebody telling me about something I told you in confidence? That ain't helping. That ain't helping. I need somebody to help restore me. To help get me out of my situation, to help get me through the fire, to help get me through the storm, to help get me out of my pain. I don't need that kind of help that's going to help me keep. Listen, if you console by keeping me in the hole, you, you ain't helping. I'm not saying that you got to be fully restored to help, but doggone it, if you're going to be helped, your rump better be helped. Gotta be help. So when you're when you're when you're entertaining, or you ever hear that whole misery loves company, you got a whole different set 
of information now to sift through that craziness with. Because when, when you hear somebody, they think you're going through something. You know misery love company, uh-uh, baby. Misery might love company, but misery don't necessarily need any old kind of company. Having gone through this, let's button this thing up by returning to Psalms 139. We have about five or six more verses there. And this, I'm going to read right through these. Talking about restoring others. The Message Bible and the voice are the verses we're using for this. The message says, and please, God, do away with the wickedness for good, with wickedness for good. And you murderers out of here, all the men and women who belittle God, belittle you, God, infatuated with cheap God imitations. See how I hate those who hate you, God. See how I loathe all this godlessness, godless arrogance. I hate it with pure, unadulterated hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. Keep that in your mind. Here we go. The voice. I wish you would destroy all the wicked, O oh God. So keep away from me those who are thirsty for blood. For they say such horrible things about you, and those who are against you abuse your name. Is it not true that I hate all who hate you, eternal one. Is it not true I despise all who come against you? Deep hatred boils within me toward them. I am your friend and they are my enemies. I must, I require that you put this in perspective. Because what David is saying here as it relates to hating, and loathing and despising, that does not, it does not, it does not give you permission to hate people. What you, 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 you hate the sin, not the person. You hate the sinful action, not the person doing the action. When we're talking about restoring others, don't you know that there are going to be times where God puts you in the position to restore people and those people have things about them you don't like? It could be their mannerisms. It could be their lifestyle. It could be something they've done. It can be how they talk. It can be how they treated you. It can be something that the Bible clearly defines as sin. Your target, if you have some unhappiness, a, 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 a bad feeling in your heart, is towards the sin, not the person. Family, if, if what you do is focused on the fault or the error and you can't see your way through that to the person, you're not going to be able to reach that person for Christ. You're not going to be able to restore that person. 
Why is that an important step for, 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 you to, for, you to, for you to grasp? Because consequently, if you have that issue towards somebody, if you have that roadblock in your heart, that's a problem. You won't be able to restore. Yeah, I know it's your child. And I know you say out of your mouth you love your baby. But in your deepest, deepest part, that corner of your heart, way down there in that ventricle, you hate them because of their lifestyle. You can't reach them for Christ. The hate won't let you. Yep. You know what they did to you. You know what they did to your mama. You know what they did to some part about in your family. And in your mouth, out of your mouth, you say that you will reach them for God if God asks you to. But in your heart, you ain't. Because you can't see the person for the fault. You can't see the person for the error. As a matter of fact, you hold people to a stronger standard than you would hope they would hold for you. If you were in the same position, if you were in the same situation, if you had the same circumstance, you would hope that God would send somebody your way to help you get out, to help reach you. But you won't do the same thing for somebody else. If you have a roadblock that's causing you to hate or loathe or despise people because they've done some things ungodly. You can't you can't reach them. And I'm not talking about strangers. There are some people that you see on the regular. Y'all eat at your mama house all the time. Y'all go see each other at the job all the time. And you, you just can't stand them. That's what you say. My hope is that in not standing them, you can't stand what they do. You can't stand how they act. You can't stand what the things that they do that are contrary to what you believe that God, how God wants people to, to act. But you can't X the person. You cannot restore somebody that you've X'd out. Think about that. My wife, my wife has this has this thing whenever she talks about, you know, whenever people X out person, she'll, she'll take her hand and go like, make like an X up in the air. When you do that to somebody, when they got on your last nerve, when we said you wasn't going to do that no more, you promised, but you did anyway. This is my last time telling you. X them out. Some people have X'd out spouses, children, family, friends. X them out. In some extreme cases, X'd out themselves. This is just how I'm going to be. You cannot restore anyone if you can't look past the fault or the error and see the person. last two verses in the message verses 23 and 24 
investigate my life, O oh God, find out everything about me, cross-examine and test me, get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. The voice, explore me, O oh God, and know the real me. Dig deeply and discover who I am. Put me to the test and watch how I handle the strain. Examine me to see if, there's, if there is an evil bone in me and guide me down your path forever. Hold it right there. This, begin, this ends similar to how it began. If you remember, it was God investigate me. God, you know all about me. It concludes here with both versions giving God permission to explore. God, I want you to, to look deep in me. I want you to explore me. I want you to cross-examine. I want you to test. I want you to discover who I am. And then if you find something that's not quite right, I want you to guide me to what's right. The closing of this psalm is very reminiscent to an old song that we used to sing back in the day. It's, it's called Search Me, Lord. And that song, Search Me, Lord, has certain lyrics to it. Here's a quick excerpt. Search me, Lord. Here are the words. I'm not going to read them exactly, but in general, you see them there. But in general, here's what it says. Search me, Lord. Turn the light from heaven on my soul. And God, if you find anything that shouldn't be, I want you to take it out and strengthen me. Lord, I want to be right. Lord, I want to be saved. Lord, I want to be a make me whole. Search me, Lord. Go back up the song. Search me, Lord. Cross-examine me. Dig deep. Discover who I am. Test me. Put your heavenly light on my soul. And if you find an evil bone, if you find I've done something wrong, if you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out and strengthen me. Strengthen me in my confidence in you. Strengthen me in seeing myself the way you see me. So my confidence in myself. Strengthen me so that I can look past the error in a person and really be your vessel to reach them for the kingdom. If you find anything that shouldn't be, Take it out and strengthen me. God, I want to be right. I want to be on your path. I want to be right. I want you to guide me on the road to eternal life. I want to be right. I want to be saved. I want to be in your house forever. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. Guide me, God. I want to be right. I want to be saved. Lord, Make me whole. Whole in my mind as it relates to how you think. Whole in my body as it relates to how you want me to treat this temple. Whole in my spirit. Let the Holy Spirit have its way. I want to be right. I want to be saved. Lord, make me whole. And making you whole is a job 
that the Holy Spirit can do on the inside. But notice the context, giving God permission. At some point, even with the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you, you have to concede to be led. You have to concede to let him guide you. You have to go back to that song. You have to genuinely want to be right. You have to genuinely want to be living this saved life. You have to genuinely want it. You have to genuinely want to be whole. Yes, God can do. But do you know how much easier it is? Let me give you an example. Anybody who's ever had children or raised children or had nephews and nieces and that kind of stuff understands how this is going to be. You would be surprised. A little narrow behind, 15 pound, little specimen of, of skin and bones, little bitty little thing. You'd be surprised how you can pick you can pick them up like a feather when they want you to. But let that child not want you to pick them up. I don't know how they do it. They hold their arms up straight and start wiggling their body and doggone it. 15 pounds, you might, you might as well be picking up 100. It's a whole different thing when the person you're trying to help agrees to accept the help. So, yes, you have the Holy Spirit in you, but please give him permission. He wants to restore you. He can restore you. Your confidence in God can happen. Your, your confidence in who you are, just listen to how, what God says about you. It can happen. You restoring other people, you getting that desire to want to do that, it can happen. It can happen. In closing, I want you to say something with me. And this will wrap up this particular category. Say this, say this with me, please. I declare through the Spirit of God on the inside of me that I am going to give the Holy Spirit to restore my confidence in God, my confidence in myself, and my belief that helping others to be restored is a worthy endeavor. Family, I love you so much. The next time I am here to present to you, we will move on to the next category in our vision, and that's re-engage. Let's pray. God, I thank you that everybody here has a want to for you to come into their heart and do what only your spirit can do. We welcome you into our heart, Holy Spirit. We ask that you search us. Search us in a way that only you can. And if you find things that should not be, 
we align our efforts with what you find that shouldn't be, that should be gone, and we align our efforts with helping you, not fighting against you, clean up those areas within our heart, within our mind, within our spirit. We want to be those people who can look past a person's error and still be able to say those things to them that you kept that you want us to say to help them become a part of the kingdom. We pray that you continue to grow us. And as we grow, we will get stronger. And as we get stronger, we will be in a better position to reach back and help our brothers and sisters. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.